All right. Hello, hello. We've got a special edition here of the Coach's Corner. I want to welcome everybody here to another episode brought to you by the Endurance Lab and Team ODZ. Usually each of these episodes, we spend some time answering questions of our athletes and you viewers at home. Um, but today we've got some special guests here and I'll just in a quick minute, let me introduce myself. This is Jason Flores, one of your Endurance Lab coaches, but today I am joined by Ty here, there, and uh, Ryan here from um, Team ODZ uh, Spokane. Um, and we've got some interesting topics to talk to them about. But before that, um, we're going to spend a little bit of time, hopefully, to learn a little bit about them and who they are. So I'm going to start with you, Ty. Uh, if you can just tell us a little bit about um, kind of you, your cycling background, kind of where you're from. Just let the audience know. All right. So my name's Ty. I've been uh, with ODZ probably since the inception, back in the good old mm -hmm. days. Uh, good old days. Uh, Yes, 2015 is uh, Jarvis Island days on Zwift. Um, <laughs> I was initially initially lived in Pendleton, Little Pendleton, Oregon. Then I moved to Spokane, Washington, and and um, got to know Justin Wagner and some others. And then eventually uh, met Ryan Kettleson and John Stoker. And so uh, actually, Team ODZ um, kind of introduced me to my first club team concept and working with uh, working together. And and then uh, kind of grew into Team ODZ Spokane, which we'll probably talk about a little bit later, but I've been riding for about 12 years now, and and, uh, and I'm almost 50 years old, although Kettleson's already called me OG, which <laughs> I, thought, I thought meant original gangster, but it's really old guy. So old, old guy, guy sure. old yeah. guy. Just don't get beat by the OG, I think is, is what That's it's going right. to be, right? <laughs> You know, after riding with Ty, you know, um, at camp, I think uh, it's going to be a hard one, uh, Ryan. As a uh, as he gets stronger over time, you know, you're going to look you're going to look pretty bad getting beat by the OG. Oh, I dream about it often. <laughs> he beats me right on the line. It's happened before almost. So. <laughs> uh, All right, yeah. So um, we'll move over to Ryan then. What a uh, yeah. A little bit so about yourself, I, yeah. Yeah, so I grew up doing a lot of track and um, doing a lot of running. And after college, I kind of transitioned to some uh, triathlon. Found out I wasn't a very good swimmer and um, didn't like training and swimming. And after a while, my knees and joints kind of started bothering me. So I kind of transitioned to cycling around 2017. Um, I call it full time. I don't think I've actually ran more than four miles since 2017 all at one time mm. so i've really dedicated cycling um for the last three three four years and just kind of did it by myself i uh, didn't have a team or really knew anyone and then i think it, that's when i met ty and um odz and it kind of got into group riding and um some team goals and started racing and here i'm now you know uh co-leading a Came here in Spokane, so it's uh, pretty cool. A lot of great friends and uh, good memories so far, so it's been great. Absolutely, and I guess that's that's a good um, jumping-off point. So, um, Team ODZ, we all know here as the virtual international team here on, that has based on or started on Zwift, um, but we have actually branched out in your area um, into an in-real-life team. Can you tell me a little bit about that and how it's been doing since uh, it all started here? Yeah, so it, uh, Justin Wagner, I think, was the, uh, uh, initially we started having discussions. Ryan and I were, 
hadn't hadn't officially been on a, a local race team before so we were actually looking at different clubs in town and then ironically justin and bob um were talking about creating a team so uh, i think it was just over a uh texting back and forth we said hey let's just create our own team uh, wagner mm-hmm. red led the ch- led the charge and then mm-hmm. i think a year like later he does he yeah <laughs> and then a year later he decided to leave so then he went to <laughs> left to utah and so yeah. uh, ryan and i uh specifically ryan started to recruit some new members and there's this guy by the name of john stoker and anyway stoker. Yeah, yeah. yeah stoker <laughs> yeah we uh uh he started getting involved and then a guy named jonathan raffelli and some others mm-hmm. that, uh, jonathan raffelli was kind of our uh veteran race guy and then we just created this team and uh based off of what wagner started and um and stoker and ryan really did a good job recruiting people and the, the really the purpose of the team was to do some racing not take ourselves too seriously and then um encourage others in the community to, to ride with us. And so um, really it's a mixture of people that uh, just love to ride their bikes. Um, they like to be pushed a little bit, be competitive. And then I would say there's maybe 25% of us actually race. Um, but we've gone from, I always say 10 to 15 members. We're probably 25 to 30 members. I mean, JFlow, as you know, there's a fair amount of Kraken members this year. And, and I think yeah. that's a lot to do with do with Stoker. Um, he's he. Uh, I make fun of him because I say, "Hey, you want to be an influencer like J Flow?" So he's our local influencer <laughs> right here in Spokane. Yeah, he, I remember. Yeah, said, I, yeah. <laughs> I remember him so, uh, he, when when you guys went to what is a phase phase three or when you guys were headed out. Um, he did this video and it was like very, uh, <laughs> yeah. very, very, very. I don't know. It had that personality, like, "Hey, what's going on, this guy? Guess where we're going this week? We're going outside, not inside, outside." <laughs> like, yeah. it was really good. Yeah, it was really, so really good. Yep. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. So that's great. So I mean, so not only is it a team that's focused on you know trying to put racers together, but you guys are doing something for the bigger community, as I understand, right? Uh, trying to get more riders riding because that's one thing that all of our areas are needing to get an improvement on, right? And you guys saw that as an opportunity. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, I think uh, the road roads racing scene kind of dwindled down in Spokane, and and which was a shame. So, but we saw a lot of different cyclists out there, but a few of them, you know, discouraged potentially by other teams because they um, it was so competitive, right? Some mm-hmm. of those rides, and so um, we really saw a lot of people that uh, um, couples, in fact, that wanted to ride and just go out and and uh, so definitely saw an opportunity in the community to uh, um, encourage people to come out and ride with us so yeah it's been a lot of fun and that's you know we're we're on the border of idaho so there's we got some idahoans too riding with us so yeah it's been nice and they're in phase four so we've we've te- we've been tempted to cross the border and- <laughs> <laughs> i don't know you know we've got a lot of uh, odz riders in idaho and uh it's a crazy time over there so also so i don't know if it's any better and then as far as you guys go south, it gets just gets worse down here. So <laughs> before I used to tease, you know, don't come to California. It's no fun. But now it's now it's true. Just don't come. It's not <laughs> right now. It's just crazy. So but you guys have done a really good job to continue to um, to motivate, to inspire, to grow even during this time of, epide- um, you know, pandemic and be able to, you know, Keep, keep people riding, you know, as far as the athletes, keep people motivated. I think that's a huge thing. And I think having started from an indoor kind of structure, moving to that outside of the in real life team, I think is what really had helped you guys there. Um, 
But as far as numbers, you guys have stayed steady. Give me some information on that. And you guys still stay pretty strong communication-wise, from what I understand. Yeah, we use uh, uh, GroupMe and other uh, f uh, mechanisms to communicate with each other. So, you know, um, we also utilize um, Zwift. So when we had to uh, kind of stay at home and stuff, we used Zwift. And we actually created a Saturday morning Teams ODZ Spokane ride. And yeah. uh, we would get... Um, we would get uh, you know, 10 to 20 writers of our, in the Spokane area, and we get, obviously, writers from all over the world. So, um, And we actually had other guys from other teams uh, jump in every once in a while, too, on Zwift. So, um, yeah, I think um, Stoker probably knows the numbers better than we do. But, uh, you know, I would say we're 30 to 40 members uh, for sure. I think yeah. we at least doubled. I, can, I think we can pretty much double because at the end of 2019, I think we had a, maybe seven racers, and I think – um, even though we didn't race this year, I think we had would have had uh, more racers, and I think our Kraken members have almost doubled, and our Zwift um, Strava group members, even though they're not officially Kraken members, but I think mm -hmm. our Strava members have um, gone up quite a bit. I think we're near like 80, 90, where I think last year were maybe 40 or 50, so we're definitely yeah. growing. Yeah, definitely growth overall um, from your guys' side as well as you know from – the group as a whole, I think, is it's been really good. Uh, the Saturday rides were really popular too. So um, I think that just kind of brings us to your inspiration and kind of the big question and what we're here to chat with you guys about is you guys came up with this crazy idea and during a time where everybody was, oh, I'm going to get on Zwift and I'm, I'm going to ride even more than we ride on Zwift and we're going to try to, you know, virtual Everest. And they're like, no, I don't want that. I'm going to do something, you know, out there in the real world. And so we came up with this idea. So tell me how this crazy idea came up and uh and whose idea was it i guess <laughs> Raise, oh, yeah that one that <laughs> one <laughs> i don't know uh, you know so it's a funny story because i think i just stumbled across the everything website um mm -hmm. a couple years ago and i've been a glutton for punishment for with running a lot of trail running and so this was right up my alley um you know really in spokane there was there's not many big hills i mean there's some hills but really mount spokane is iconic and so that was kind of my goal a couple of years ago hey this would be great to do it um but really with the race season it was kind of tough to plan and for and do both right it's, it's a totally different type of um training plan and so i actually jason you wouldn't know we talked about it at the beginning of this year that we had planned for this in mid-july Mm -hmm. before in between my races in august and in june and it just happened to you know with all the races kind of canceling this was kind of the main main deal but i think it wasn't just to everest but it was also to use our skills and abilities to get back to the community you know yeah and that's what i think in general odz spokane um yeah we want to be known to help the cycling community bring that back but also we want to be known as, um, yeah, just promoting health and wellness and um, certain people who are in need. And I, I think um, Ty was right on board and a lot of other members um, just in general are excited about that, um, our mission statement. But, um, and I guess what else better to do something crazy and do something um, than ever seen up Mount Spokane. So mm -hmm. that's 
long story short, yeah, kind of a couple years ago and just came um, here in 2020 when everything was canceled. So it was a great time to do it. So yeah, it was, I, I, yeah go ahead, Ty. Go ahead. I was just going to say, Ryan, I think, mentioned it. Uh, it was last year, actually. We rode up Mount Spokane as fast as we could. And then he said, hey, let's do this again. And I'm like, man, you're crazy. This is like, why would we do this again? So we did it. And as we're going up, he goes, we should do this thing called Everesting. And uh, I said, you're crazy. That's the stupidest idea I've ever heard of. That's way too hard. And then, uh, as, as Ryan said, as the, as the race season got canceled, and he started talking about an opportunity to raise money for a charity, yeah. uh, like the Ronald, Ronald McDonald House, was like, yeah, this starts to make more sense. And like most athletes, we need an event to motivate us to mm -hmm. train for selfishly. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, um, yeah, totally. And as Ryan kept giving me crap um, on a <laughs> weekly basis, I finally said, all right, let's do it. But I did not publicize it at first. I'm like, let's do it, but I don't tell anybody because I yeah. don't know if I'm ready for this. You know, because I, it's, I, it's fairly intimidating. I remember hearing and was like, oh, yeah, we're going to do this. Everyone kept saying, yeah, Ryan's going to do this. I'm like, I don't know. I heard Ty's doing it. They're like, oh, I don't know. I just heard Ryan's doing it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, think, so, yeah, go ahead. Well, I just, I would think, I think for me, uh, the training and stuff probably actually started when I was in February at the, you know, the uh, winter camp uh, mm -hmm. for me. Little did I know at the time that uh, the base miles, the training, the, the advice you were giving me during February would bleed into uh, this Everesting effort. Little did we know that, you know, we were, this is, you know, late February, so right before the pandemic yeah. hit us. Little did we know what we were doing yeah. and uh, had that yeah. much more meaning, right? Yeah. yeah absolutely. So anyway. Absolutely. Yeah. So I guess a little bit more, um, tell us a little bit more about, uh, you mentioned the fundraising net, the charity, and yeah. that part. Uh, tell me a little bit about how Ronald McDonald Foundation kind of tied in and the support you got from them and what you guys were able to do for them. Yeah, I think, and as a father of three, I, I just can't imagine um, – having one of my kids battle, you know, cancer or any type of illness mm -hmm. and what they have to go through, you know, leaving their home because um, they basically house these families out of town as they're getting treatment. So uh, it just, you know, I just, I think my heart just kind of broke um, for that situation and I just love what they do. Um, made a phone call and Bob um, from Ron McDonough house, Mm -hmm. um, he's actually a cyclist around in, in Spokane, so we connected right away, um, made a bond, and we want to have a – not only for what we did this for Everstein, we want to continue our relationship going forward um, and do some other um, fun rides and different things um, for Ron McDonough House. Awesome. And, yeah, so it, it just – one call, and it just worked really smooth, and he helped with a lot of the – the fundraising advertising part on their end nice. and um, they gave us a lot of different, they helped do a little video of John Stoker and I um, talking about the Everstein ride. So they did a lot to, with awareness and everything Great. like that. So, I think that's yeah. huge. And I think that's huge because a lot of times and a lot of the efforts that we've seen, um, let's say in the main media, a lot of times it's a very small effort. It was just one guy, maybe, uh, you know, one truck just kind of filling up the truck. But from what I understand, this was a this is a this is a huge effort. This is like a full yeah. camp of people, right? So tell me a yeah. little bit about that before we talk about the actual thing, because I think the community coming around it and the people who came out to support, I think, is almost as big of a story as the writers yeah. who are doing it, right? So tell me about kind of as you were preparing and 
the people that were kind of saying like, oh, I, I can help you with this and that. Tell me a little yeah. bit about that. Yeah. So we had some sponsors. Um, one of them, TT's, which is a barbecue brewery place. And they were, um, they gave us a great discount for everyone who was involved, um, family, friends, um, teammates for, for like food and setup. Um, nice. So that was awesome. And my wife, um, did a great job of like set, setting up camp um, right as we kind of turned around to go back up. Um, we had tons of teammates and other just riders of Spokane come and join us. Ty. I don't know if you had several college kids and other riders and some teammates. They all either one lap. We had one guy, Todd, rode five laps with us. Nice. Um, just for that um, support. I don't know. Um, about you, Tab. I had random texts throughout the day as I was biking, just, hey, you're doing great. Keep it up. Even though that they weren't with us, they were mm. thinking about us, you know. So we had, yeah, a lot of family, friends, um, just general riders and just giving us thumbs up. And, um, yeah, what did you see, Ty? That's... Yeah, well, I think, it, as Ryan said, it was it was kind of like Camp Kettleson. It was Ryan, his wife, his cousins. uh <laughs> Everybody came. Uh, my wife and kids were there. Uh, yeah. College students. They didn't understand what the heck I was doing. Uh, as I'm climbing this hill, they're like, "Why are you going so slow? What's going on here?" Um, so it was a, <laughs> it was an education for a lot of people. Uh, I think that uh, we had riders from other clubs show up and, and ride up the hill with us. Um, mm -hmm. There's a tradition in Spokane where uh, July 4th is a day where you can have 70 to 80 riders show up and and ride up Mount Spokane. Well, Ryan nice. and I. Uh, uh, selected july 3rd which is a friday this year but uh so um but anyway some people came to that and they still rode on july 4th but yeah i would say there was you know 40 or 50 people there and then some of them that didn't know what was going on and then when we told them what we were doing they just yeah. naturally jumped on and rode with us uh it's fairly common to have mountain bikers up there so there was this crazy mountain biker that did like five laps i mean it was wow. yeah it was just kind of yeah. yeah it was kind of it was neat to see yeah uh, the community nice. come out. I think the only thing that was, went against us is there's a couple pockets where there was no service, so you, people were wondering what was going on and how we were yeah. doing, and we weren't texting, so they were mm -hmm. like, "What's going mm -hmm. on?" But, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was, uh, yeah, it was well, well supported. So it sounds like, from what I understand too, this climb is 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 a well known climb. It's an epic climb in your area. So doing it here, it may not have been from a statistical point of view. Um, the best, most efficient climb, but it was definitely the most, um, like, big climb. Like, this is the one that if people were to see someone do yeah. it on this climb, because um, there were some challenges, from what I understand, kind of with distances. And um, you, typically, it's a very straight up and down thing. You want to get down as quick as you can. You want to get up as quick as you can. But I don't think that was kind of the, 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 the drive here. It was just a matter of the journey, uh, the community yeah. here. So, mm -hmm. um, so well, why don't you tell us about the actual climb, um, and some aspects of it, and what made it, what makes it unique? Well, Mount Spokane, um, if you go for the very bottom, is very gradual at the bottom, and it's maybe two, three percent. And as it gets goes up, it gets steeper and steeper. I think the average height isn't it about five point five percent, mid five percent. If you take yeah for the whole thing, yeah, yeah, it's about a ten mile climb, and I think you gain um, what about thirty eight. Yeah, that sounds right. About, about yeah. Right. So we started right in the middle. So right at the start gets tough. And then we get to we climb up the main road, which is about averages about seven and a half percent. And that's pretty smooth, windy road. It's 
but then we take a left onto Summit Road, which is like a lane and a half, mm -hmm. and the road's not super well kept, and there's a lot of hairpin turns, and so it's very technical. So if you're looking for speed and efficiency, don't take the left on Summit Road. And we actually yeah. had another rider, <laughs> another rider in Spokane, who Everest a, a week before we did, but they just kind of stayed at the lower part. They just went up and down oh, that's um, and not did Summit Road. And so um, much safer, much more efficient. But I think, like you said, it, it was more about the route, you know, um, the journey itself. And uh, it's um, the difficulty is much harder. And I think that kind of resembles what these families are going through. And so we just kind of wanted to experience, experience that with them. And so, um, yeah, and I just remember climbing. I don't know about you, Ty. You know, I can't wait to go back downhill and rest. And actually going downhill, I'm like, I can't wait to stop and go back uphill. And it was just yeah. difficult yeah. going downhill. Um, you know, some of these roads have these, like, divots. What do you call those divots, Ty? Like these random smooth yeah, divots. Yeah, they're not. kind of throw you off a little bit mm -hmm. so really unique and i think um a lot you know traditionally you want to be able to kind of almost coast if uh, ideally not have to break on the way down to be able to regroup yourself and collect yourself figure out um what you're going to get fuel wise on the way down um we've heard stories of other everesters um you know texting down like hey i need more of this more of that um and that sort of thing um but again i think it was about the journey so as you guys were planning this um with the course, um, like, what were you guys thinking beforehand? Like per lap, time-wise, kind of give me some of the give me some of the data crunching stuff mm -hmm. that you guys did, or did you just be like, oh, we're just gonna make a left and keep going until <laughs> we hit the number? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I think we did some. I mean, Ty and I, we we really focused on okay, what is our pace? What are our goals? And Ty and I, we, we we're pretty similar, but we just have just a little bit of difference in. Um, I guess our time going up. I mean, he's pretty old. He's a little slower, you know. <laughs> true, true. You can't, true, we true, can't yeah. bl blame him, but my goal <laughs> was to be about an hour, an hour five to get to the top, and then about 15 minutes on the way down. So oh. a whole lap would be anywhere um, between an hour 20 to an hour 30 with yeah. you know, maybe breaks in between. Uh -huh. So... I was a little ambitious, you know, looking back to be to do um, about 90 minutes per lap mm -hmm. all the way through. Uh, my first five laps, I hit that, but then the sixth lap, I had to slow down. I think I went either too fast or nutrition wasn't right. Mm -hmm. But I think we were, we both wanted to be around 200 watts, right, Ty? Or you're, yeah, you just want to be a little bit under. Yeah, I mean, I think that's uh, this is probably where the endurance lab came in with regards to uh, targets and things. But I think the the climb itself, you know, is 7.4 miles, 7%. Um, for me, it was, uh, I made the mistake of staying with Ryan the first couple laps just because I wanted to, and my heart rate was too high, too much power, which I know you're not supposed to do. Um, so I had to, to, to tone down after that. Um, but, uh, um, yeah, so, I mean, over time, Ryan would, would uh, I'd let him continue to go faster than me to help him, help him build his confidence. So that's <laughs> important. <laughs> that's what it was. But, that's what it was. Yeah. Okay. yeah. So, yeah. Me, I, I mean, for me, I, I think my normalized power after it was all said and done was like at 180, 183. So hmm? that's probably right where I needed to be. Um, and obviously, you know, climbing, climbing Mount Lemmon 
kind of helped uh, with some of those targets. So understanding what my body could do was yeah. was important. Yeah. So, but but, uh, but pacing was was huge, obviously with Everesting. I just remember you and Stoker at the bottom of Lemon. I'm like, oh man, I just told them like it's on their top tube. Like, what else do we need to do? It says, please try to stay within the zone. And it's just, it was funny. But I mean, obviously we're there. We're there to push you, push yourselves. And uh, we're there to push ourselves. And it was a, it was a good day. And I'm, I'm glad that definitely, um, you know, played a role. Having experience climbing that length of time. And then now your experience, you know, with repeated climbs, definitely technique comes into play. Um, mental fortitude comes into play. Some of the things that uh, Ty had sent over was to talk about kind of the darker moments of the climb, um, and we can we can circle back. There was a couple of the questions, kind of on um, kind of weather and logistics here. Um, you guys started at three thirty a.m. Your time is, from what I understand, right? So that's yeah, not even that's... that's not even when ODZ people are awake. So that's like what, <laughs> know, right? like what's going on? Like we will do the we will do the you know the occasional four o'clock start, but three thirty is just now. You're talking crazy. Andy Jenner would say. That's not the next day. That's still nighttime. So, yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's what so, Strava <laughs> categorizes it as, right? That's night nighttime. Right. Yes. Yeah. So, so what was the like? It was the time. Is it what? What? What was that? What was the? How come the start at three thirty? I guess we'll start with that. Yeah. So the challenge really was uh, Mount Spokane is is a state park, mm -hmm. and so there's they close at dusk, which I think uh, at that time was like eight thirty at night, eight forty five. And so we really wanted to make sure we were done before 8:30. And gotcha. <laughs> so that was and that was that was kind of the main idea, um, and to finish before nighttime. Yeah. Right. So, um, so that was the plan. I think we were actually were aiming to go a little bit sooner than 3:30. <laughs> than 3:30. <laughs> you know. But you know, as you know, it's hard to move and get going yeah. that early yeah. in the morning. So yeah. I think official official time was three thirty four. I think yeah, right time? yeah, and I, and I think yeah. it was thirty seven degrees. Yeah, it was chill. Yeah, so that and that brings up um, Justin Wagner asked, um, weren't you guys it, the way the he, I guess he he understands which way it faces. He's like, weren't you guys freezing for the parts that were not facing the sun? Because there's it, it kind of rotates from what we understand. So there were parts it must have been in the morning that you guys. Would have had to go to like 37 degrees, but then warmer on the other sides, right? Yeah, yes. There's definitely pockets where it was always cold, and uh, mm. I remember shivering, shivering at points. But uh, obviously, as you know, as a cyclist, layering was so important. But mm -hmm. I had leg warmers, arm warmers, uh, long sleeve jacket, um, probably the first three or four laps. So not oh, wow. until not until probably mid morning was I actually starting to take layers off personally. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, and that was it was cold. Yeah. And then even Ryan, though I was just oh go ahead. I was just yeah, even I'll, though it was oh it was even though it was in July, but we also yeah. picked that time of year because we knew that's the one of the longer days of the year too. So mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. Did Ryan, do you just go with embrocation and just kit and then just embrocation? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it all off. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, so I had my normal like winter gear and then I had my down vest and like a uh. raincoat. Just, yeah, just to keep warm. It, it was it was nuts. It, even wow. though it said thirty seven degrees, it seemed colder than that. I don't, I don't yeah. know why, but I I was shaking so much it was actually affecting my steering ability. You know, the whole bike was starting to shake at some yeah. point. So, man, that's but, I mean, that's definitely nuts. 
Um, Themo's here. He's saying you guys definitely look good. Um, I know he joined you for a lap or so. Was he there as mm -hmm. well? Yeah, so he said he's definitely um, calling in and saying that you guys definitely look good doing that. So, um, so, so a little bit about support crew, and then we'll talk about food and nutrition. Um, it sounds like you guys had kind of base camp um, at the bottom there. Halfway, it was like some portion of the way up um, Mount Spokane. Um, and then so you were able to come back and be able to get food, so you weren't carrying everything, obviously. Um, yep. And then so people were just hanging out there, partying, drinking, tailgating. What were they doing while you guys are? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. You know, honestly, everyone came when the food came. It was funny because, you know, <laughs> either there was, we probably had about my family and Ty's family was there for a lot of the, a lot of time. And I think as noon came, that's when a lot of people were just there. I remember coming down after the fifth lap. And it was just, yeah, it was a huge, like, That's got to feel there. good. That's got to yeah. feel good. Yeah, so it was, and that really uplifted my spirits too. But I think mm -hmm. that was right when I was starting to struggle, and just having food and just people, cousins, and everyone there, friends, people you didn't expect to to, to say a kind word and motivate you. That that mm -hmm. was that was awesome. Absolutely. And yeah, then, I think uh, of the yeah of the of the ten and a half laps. So it was basically ten and a half laps we had to do of those ten and a half laps. I had someone with me eight laps. So it was nice. huge to have people grinding away with me. Uh, you know, uh, obviously you mentioned Todd already it was five laps, and Ben and Brandon, Joe, obviously Ryan. So um, just that, it was nice to have someone next to you just chatting away. For me, that was huge to help the time go by. I mean, yeah. the first for me, the first seven eight laps. It was um, a steady pace, and, and I think I did enough resting at the bottom with the group and enough food and stuff that uh, those first eight laps weren't too bad. And then the last two and a half laps were the – when you get by yourself, that's when it gets a little tougher, obviously. For sure. Yeah. 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 So um, a little bit about nutrition and fueling. Um, I know Ty is a big um, – uh, bar fan. He's like, I'm just gonna eat a Cliff Bar for 19 hours. I was like, Are you sure? He's like, That's what I'm planning. And I'm like, All right. Yeah, that was so... like the worst idea ever. So anyway, <laughs> next. So yes, I took. I brought uh, 17 Cliff Bars, uh, 11 different flavors. Uh, so I had those loaded up in the car. I had 17 nice. bottles of Scratch Lab hydration. Wow. In seven, 17 bottles. So I had those loaded up, in a, in a cooler. And, um, and so, um, but I think I made it through seven cliff bars and I'm like, I am done with the cliff bars. And so Todd had some a Luna bar. So I was like, like I was a kid in school trading, can I trade my cliff bar for your Luna bar? I do not want any more cliff bars, but there's a yeah. section on the very, towards the top, it's a flat section. So mm -hmm. strategy, strategy wise, I said, anytime I hit that flat section, I got to eat a cliff bar or I got to eat something. And I did not nice. want to eat. Right. Yeah. You know, I think all of us have been there where. I'm not hungry. I don't want to eat, but I had to force myself to eat eat that. Um, and so, um, so I can go through my statistics of what I ate if you want. I actually kept yeah. track. If you want Look at me that. to, yeah. Do you have the so wrappers? Can we see the wrappers? Do you have those? <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, let me see. I think <laughs> some of those. I ate those too. I don't <laughs> I just ate are. everything. <laughs> yes. So I All right. Yeah. Let's hear it. Like, yeah. Let's hear it. Yeah. So seven Cliff bars, Luna bar, uh, some kind of energy bar I borrowed from or I had from somebody. Uh, I had two peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, four bananas, and then I started eating russet potatoes. So for me, potatoes, garlic butter, um, oh. and then TT's potato salad. 
And then I had two Coca-Colas and Dr. Pepper. I had a cup of coffee, and then I finished it off with three SIS gels. So, And that um, was just the first was... hour. So the next That's 17 right. hours, right. he ate. And, and so, uh, yeah, so this is the – so some other, some other goals I had that maybe people don't think about, but I said, okay, I want to pee at least every time I reach the top of the mountain. That was my – that was my mm -hmm. showing that I was hydrating appropriately. So <laughs> I, I, I peed 21 times in, in that 16 hours, just so you know. If anyone's interested. <laughs> there you go. 21, 21 pees, 17. So that means some yeah. of them were like on the bike while you were descending, or is this like triathlon I status? Stayed, I stayed warm. I stayed warm. <laughs> I stayed warm on the way down. <laughs> Ian would be proud. Ian would be proud. Yeah. He talks about uh, doing that all the time. Yeah, no, never. Yes. Not me. Sorry. <laughs> No, no. And so, okay. So then it ended up being a big, a big um, kind of variety in the end, which I think for a lot of people, it ends up being, you get um, palate flavor fatigue and that sort of thing. So yeah. Ryan, um, mm -hmm. were you in that same boat where you, you kind of eaten all kinds of things? What, um, what, what was your nutrition kind of uh, goals and where, where did you end up? Well, you know what? I, I don't really focus too much. Like in these races don't really do much with nutrition. It's funny. Like I, wake up so early and I can't eat. So usually when I'm drifting, you know, right here in the morning, I, I seriously don't need to eat or I don't eat or drink. So for these long events, I'm kind of an experience. And so I ate oatmeal right before, um, like 30 minutes before we left. I had a lot of SIS gels and some um, bars. Um, we made those like little energy bite things that, mm -hmm. um, so I just try to eat, I try to force myself kind of where there's right at the toughest spot of the climb right after that it, it's flat. And I try to eat and drink a lot there because you couldn't do that on the downhill. I, I think by the fourth or fifth lap, I could not take any more gels or um, I know I wanted actually meat and I wanted mm. food. I wanted potatoes. I want real food. And so I'm amazed how much Thai peed because I only did it twice, twice. Oh so I'm thinking, wow. Yeah. So I'm thinking I, I really was probably dehydrated or didn't feel efficiently enough. Mm, so, mm. but um, I mean, yeah, I didn't keep track. But I, yeah. I think looking back, <laughs> I think I didn't do enough. I think yeah. I didn't think it was going to be that important. I think it. I think it was. Nathan's um, commenting in here, Ty. Um, any idea of ballpark of calories uh, if you could? Uh, um, Maybe you could circle back uh, if you can Ooh. kind of give us a count. Yeah. Um, let us know. He's 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 interested in uh, that number if we have. So okay. So we talked about support crew nutrition. Um, uh, let's see. Uh, gear. Um, any new changes to your bikes? Do you guys? You know, you guys ran single gear, right? No. <laughs> <laughs> fixie. Yeah. Fixie. Fixie single gear, right? Yeah. So um, any special uh, changes? I guess would be. And then maybe tell us a little about your uh, mechanical setup for those uh, gearheads out there that. Uh, are looking to try to do this. Yeah, so for me, I uh, um, I use this as an excuse to buy a new bike. Oh, really? Did you really? Oh, I thought it was an e-bike. I didn't know oh, yeah. e-bike no, or new. No. <laughs> Don't tell anybody. <laughs> uh, so actually, I, I uh, um, a buddy of mine, there's some guys that always gave me crap because I had nice. aluminum wheels, never had carbon wheels, so I got some carbon wheels. I got a a giant bike from our local bike shop, the Bike Hub, who's our sponsor. And uh, but then I got um, 
so I had gearing on the back. So my front gearing was a 5236 and the back was an 1130. And I knew I could go to an 1132. And, and a lot of the Everesting I'd read was like, you mm-hmm. got to try to get as many gears as you can. And then a friend of ours, Winston, called me the night before and he'd helped out the guy that had um, Everested the week before and said, man, if you can get an 1132, do it. Mm-hmm. So I uh, looked up a bike shop, and that was the one. I made that change the day before, so I went from 1130 to 1132. And I Why think not? that, yeah, give me that extra gear. Yeah. And I think that would that definitely definitely uh, helped me for sure. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, um, Ty's uh, Ty's um, I guess notorious for the night before everything is, like goes down to have to get <laughs> something done. Uh, the night before the night before camp starts, we are like. Hustling around at like two in the morning, trying to find a derailleur um, hanger <laughs> bender because uh, somehow it, they all normally bend one way when you ship a bike, but somehow ties bent the other way. So yeah, it, there was no fixing it, but yeah, that's cool. <laughs> so 36, yes, 32 yeah. was that gear. Um, and for Ryan, what did what'd you end up with? Yeah, 11, uh, 11, 28, just whatever was in stock. I went to um, the local bike store and he basically said, you know, 2011, there's not enough room to add anymore. So you're kind of stuck mm-hmm. what you're with. And so I knew like, crap, I, well, low cadence. So I, I honestly, the last six weeks, yeah, um, focused on low cadence, 50, maybe 55. Nice. nice. And just the sitting in the saddle, like I did hill repeats constantly, no standing, just, I just wanted to get my body used to the slow cadence of steep grades. So I, and I was able to get by. So, but if you really, I guess if you train properly, you, you can get by with 1128, but I would yeah. definitely, if you have a choice, you know, uh, anything higher 30, 32 would yeah. be, would be, <laughs> would be better. So it looks like uh, Stoker's joined us here and he said, so with all the low cadence training is why you, you've got like a small medium hit back there over your left shoulder. Is that you've like slimmed <laughs> down since then? Is that your size now? <laughs> it, does, it does work the core. It does work the core. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. There you go. So I um and speaking about speaking about um you know changes and stuff. A lot of times with virtual everything there's a lot of there's changing of kits. Um one question that um Pat O'Neill Night Train asked was, did you guys were you able to take advantage of that? Um did you make changes uh and that sort of thing as far as uh, your your kits were concerned and other equipment? Yeah, I I brought four kits and I changed three times. And so typically it was in the mornings or the morning and the evening. So I didn't really change too much in the, mm-hmm. in the day. The temperature actually was quite nice. I think the high was um, mid seventies nice or low seventies, something like that. So perfect riding weather during the heat of the day. But so I know as, as we sweated, it was just so cold. Um, I wanted to change out. Um, so I was kind of more like four hours in and maybe like, 12 hours in, I kind of changed kits. Yeah. No, and I think that, yeah, that, that's, that's, a, that's a game changer, I feel like. Yeah. Yeah, that was, that was probably my mistake. I didn't change anything. I just stayed where I was in the whole time. You're still, so you're still in them. You're still in them. Two weeks <laughs> I later. could not yet. Yeah, my shorts are stuck. I can't get them off. So it's, uh... <laughs> there you go. Yeah. And I'll then see so... you in Arizona in a few months. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So then I guess on the same side of mechanical and, you know, closing and stuff, any mechanical issues, anything come up or flats or, um, 
chains, everything, you know, knock on wood, everything works. Yeah, no, yeah. see nods, nothing, huh? That's good. Well, yeah, so for this, this will sound even more stupid, but so I think the <laughs> last, last lap, I'm in like so much pain and stuff. I'm just not, and I realized my front brake is rubbing. So oh, yeah. My front brake rubbed a little bit, and I, I was just like, I didn't even, I just kept riding. I, I got off a little bit to try to adjust it, but um, yeah, that was the only thing that kind of towards the end was, uh, I was kicking myself. I probably should have got off the bike and fixed that more, but I was just yeah. so, I can't get off the bike because I was, yeah. I have a tendency to, if I stay off the bike too much, I'm going to stiffen up. So I was just like, I, I'm not going to get off. Mm -hmm. I got to keep pedaling. So even though I was yeah. going like four miles an hour, um, so there was a couple yeah. of mice that passed me going uphill, so it wasn't good. <laughs> They're cheering you along. Well, you brought your bike, your extra bike, though, right? That's what I was going to ask, too. Wheel. So we, yeah. we, we were prepared, you know, for we have extra wheels. You had a, the, your old bike. Yeah. Um, yeah, every yeah, time I looked at it on the way down, I'm like, I do not want to use that tank, man. I do not <laughs> want to have to use that thing. <laughs> yeah so but yeah we were very fortunate i mean the weather was perfect we yeah i mean leading up to that day we had rain and wind and, and mm -hmm, the weather was beautiful mm -hmm. and uh um yes yeah, so that was i mean all i think it was just a to be honest it was a perfect day for us really awesome. very fortunate yeah uh, so and everything ended up um you know kind of turning 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 on the end of that and um really providing you guys some beautiful weather to be able to support kind of everything you guys are looking at um, earlier in the podcast, you were talking about kind of the last two laps, the end of it all. So give us a little peek of what kind of this looks like in lap 16 and lap 17 um, and how you were able to dig yourselves out of that, obviously, because I did hear, you know, some posts and some comments about that. But give us a little bit of a preview of how of what what was going through your minds. Go ahead. Ryan. It is it's a dark, <laughs> obviously a dark subject. We're gonna dig yeah, deep here. Well, for me, I think the the darkest moment was actually lap six. Oh wow! Um, I had, I think, I, you know, I probably went out too fast, or either that, or didn't hydrate, or have enough calories. And the sixth one, I hit the wall, and and I thought maybe I wouldn't complete it, and so I basically was able to scale back kind of recover on the seventh and eighth lap um realized around the ninth lap that i might not i might not make it before 8 30 so mm. i was able to dig a little bit deeper and um kind of push through the pain but i think the darkest moment was yeah the sixth lap halfway wow. through and then i think you know there was a couple moments where my body was hurting so bad on you know we, there's this one indent on the pavement on the summit drive and you hit that, and you hurt, your hands hurt so bad. I hit the brakes in this response, and I, it almost flung me over. So it was like a wow. mental lapse. Like, yeah, it was – you have your battling going up, and then you have the battle going down to really keep your focus in every single moment. So, yeah, I think the six lap was tough, but then, then mentally going down, you could not take a break. Yeah. Um, or, or else you'd be driving off the mountain, you know. But so I think – yeah, my last one was it wasn't too bad. You could get that adrenaline on that last lap. Mm -hmm. That adrenaline kind of kicks in, like, at least for me. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So the uh, probably the darkest moment for Ryan and I was it actually at the same time. So he was probably an hour, like I said, an hour ahead of me, and we kind of knew where we we would meet up, right? So every time I'm going down or going up, I kind of had an idea where I'd probably see Ryan. So 
uh, Ryan was coming up. Um, it was towards the top, and it was one of a, that section where it's probably, um, you know, a one car length, a little bit more than a car length wide. And so Ryan's coming up, and I'm coming down, smoking down with another guy, and um, there's a car behind Ryan. And Ryan is basically, he told me that he goes, I feel like this car is going to pass me right around this corner, and I know Ty's coming. Yeah, and it's so a blind corner. It's blind a blind corner. corner. And the best line is, for me, on the way down is on the left-hand side. So obviously I'm going the wrong way, probably – yeah, going fast. Anyway, so sure enough, I come around the corner. There's Ryan on the left, and there's this white Cherokee 1983 Riggs coming. <laughs> and as I go right, the car goes right. As I go left, the car goes left. Um, I went into the ditch, but luckily I didn't. I didn't lose control. I stayed on the bike, but uh, skidded and did all of that. You know. Wow. Um, and I think that was lap. Probably lap was that lap eight for you. So yeah, I was eight. coming down eight yeah. for you. Yeah. So that was kind of uh that was probably our closest call. And uh um so but anyway for me the probably the darkest was probably the eighth lap coming up by myself, probably for the first time up myself. Again, it's starting to get uh towards the end of the day. And for me the my I knew my back would start to stiffen because it's such a low cadence and I'd been training with Ryan, but I knew my back would start to bother me. And it was and each time up the hill, it would start to bother me closer and closer to the bottom at the start. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, so anyway, so I think fighting that pain in the in my back and uh, um, trying not to focus on that. But then, you know, you have different motivators, whether it's uh, family members. Um, for me, I'm fortunate enough to work in healthcare, and so there are actually. I thought about some of the patients that we help and, and some of them that go through tough times to kind of, you know, motivate myself to get through that. Mm -hmm. um, but then the, the ninth lap, like Ryan said, I think the adrenaline starts to kick in. Um, and a uh, um, little running with the park ranger helped me kind of get through that a little bit. So, uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> so anyway, um, yeah, so I think the eighth and ninth lap were the tough ones. But then uh, after that, it was just like, there's no way I'm not going to, I'm going to yeah. finish this. There's no way I'm yeah. going to not finish it. There you go. Yeah. yeah. I think it's, it's interesting that they were so, what I would feel almost early on, where like the humps were. Like, you know what I mean? I feel like it would be like the last relapse or something like that. But at that point, it sounds like you guys are just in the zone. Like nothing's going to stop it. Like we are going to make this happen. So, and I, I feel like that was the energy that was kind of relayed via text and that sort of thing. So, um, yeah, and I think awesome. um, I'm not gonna, yeah, I don't want to, I mean, Endurance Lab, I think for me, the biggest benefit has been how well my body recovers. So every time I'd go down at the end, you know, I'd take a five to 15 minute break, depending what's going on. Um, but that five or 15 minutes recovery for me was just, just amazing. That's, that's like, I just got regenerated, you know, re yeah. regener regenerated everything. And and I think mentally for me, one of the things I did not do, I did not pay attention to time. I paid attention to the laps and just said, okay, I got five down, six down. I could see the sun was starting to get on the horizon, right? Yeah. But for me, I just did not look, think about time. For me, it was just about the laps, and mm -hmm. uh, that helped, helped the day, day go by for me for sure. That helped a lot. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah, so let's see. So then um, kind of shifting over to um, – what, uh, like afterwards, um, you know, you finish the ride, um, you know, there's nobody at the, there's nobody at the camp anymore. It's just the two of you no. rolling down. You have to ride home, which is like 25 miles away. <laughs> so you're like, no, no. Oh, I couldn't imagine. <laughs> you're oh, like, where did no everybody way. go? There's no food. There's nothing. So give me, give me kind of like the feelings as you, as you finish it. Give me that, uh, kind yeah. of. 
Yeah, when did you get to that last bit, that last downhill, you know? So I, I just remember looking at my Wahoo and just seeing that number eclipse 29029. And I'm like, yes, you know, just like having that relief and excitement. It's like, yeah, it, it's actually done. And actually, I had another thought. I was like, well, actually, it's not done until you actually go back down. And so I wanted to get a, a couple extra, you know, feet just to make sure, you know, Strava didn't, you know, take mm -hmm. them away. The park ranger comes and he tells me to turn around. I look down. I'm like, okay, I got extra, like 80 extra feet. So I'm good. So I go back down with the park ranger and wife and kids are still there. And just, you know, having some food, pro, you know, um, recovery drink and just having them like get all excited was like, was awesome. It was probably the highlight yeah. of having support there and just like having them be proud of what, what Ty and I did and, not only what we did, but we, we did meet our goals for our fundraising too. So not only did we do this crazy thing, but we actually did it for a great cause. And so this, everything came and we met the goal. I was kind of where we would never meet the money of uh, fundraising. You know, well, we, we raised $20, so good job, guys. <laughs> it, was, it was good success. So, but so a combination, again, like just having family there and um, yeah, just knowing we, we actually – did it, you know so that was, that was i think that was pretty cool and for you ty yeah it was just uh i think it was an overwhelming feeling i mean when on the way down i almost uh, my heart rate was just i i was out of whack i was freezing to death and in my I remember my heart rate was like down to 120 i mean i was just i was kind of a mess i had to pull over it's pitch dark luckily the kettleson family was behind me with the headlights and checked on me i finally made it down to the bottom and then um came back to the top and it was just like it's just an overwhelming feeling like it's done and and uh, remember uh, giving Kettleson a hug, put my head on his shoulder, and <laughs> what did you do to me? No, I'm just kidding. Like, just don't let go. Don't let go. <laughs> what did you make me do this, Kettleson? <laughs> I know. Yeah. Uh, but then I got home that night, and my daughter, who turned 21 that, that night, at, so it was like 12.05 a.m. I'm sitting in the kitchen, and my white daughter comes in, and, and she just turned 21 and stuff. So, yeah, it was just kind of a, kind of a neat feeling. She couldn't believe we'd done it, so it was cool awesome you're like dad you're pretty yeah. cool pretty cool yeah not, not bad for an og an og not OG. <laughs> OG. old guy yeah uh john is saying it must have been such um uh, so rewarding just to see that number tick over uh on the head unit as you guys are going up yeah. so yeah definitely that there was a question early on um and it kind of is a good place to put it in now nate was asking um afterwards um when how long was it before you could even look at your bike <laughs> i guess it would be you know um, and kind of where, where are you at now with uh, a week or two after um, as far as, you know, getting back to riding again? Yeah, so I didn't ride for another – I waited five days. Um, I didn't have – I mean, I had some saddle sores. Um, my, like I said, my back was kind of stiff. Um, so I had no desire to get on the bike for about five days. Um, and then when I did get on, I think Ryan and I rode one day, I just like – I've got to teach. I got to teach myself to ride over sixty-one RPMs again, right? So I've been riding low RPMs for so long. So I think it's. Uh, I've got some good endurance, but by no means will I beat anybody in a sprint for a while. It's gonna. Yeah. <laughs> it's gonna be a while. Yeah. yeah, yeah. For for me, I was actually surprised how well I felt on the fourth. Um, I was for sure sore, a little stiff. I knew I rode um, a difficult ride, but. By end of the fourth, 
I, I mean, I think I mowed the yard and was doing things around the house. <laughs> uh, it's the advantage of being young, Ty. You missed out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, honestly, and I think um, Monday the 6th, I went on a little easy bike ride with uh, with my wife. And so it didn't feel too bad in general. So um, a little surprise. I was thinking I'll be um, in bed for a couple of days. Or at least I should have played it off that way. I, I think it's <laughs> an opportunity. <laughs> So. Yeah, that's well. That's good to know. Well, that's definitely good to know. And then, so I guess that would lead up to the next question. And uh, of course, John, since he's not in here, only in spirit, he's asked. So, when are you guys going to do the anti-Everstein attempt? Or, or have you even heard of it? The no, anti- I have not heard of that. Uh-oh. Oh man, oh John. So, anti-Everstein event would be you would need to hit the Everstein number again, but you can't do the same climb more than once. Look at their faces. They're like, oh. what? Wow. So, so you'd have to find enough climbs to do to hit the number, but you'd have to not be able, not repeat a climb, essentially. Wow. Ryan's thinking. <laughs> Ryan's thinking. Thanks. He's like, what? yeah. Next year, Ty. Next year, we'll do it. Yeah. Thanks, Stoker. Another great idea, buddy. <laughs> yeah. Jo- John. John will be on a work trip that weekend. Yes. Also, yeah. Like he was yes. this. Yeah. So yeah, awesome. This time too. Yeah. Yeah. Just like this time. <laughs> Go ahead. I, oh, oh I, I thought for sure Stoker would say you have to do gravel or something. Or uh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> if we could just keep him in the pedals, I think he'd be all right. He'd be all right. <laughs> the cat five pop, right? Cat five pop. All right. Well, excellent. So this is a really great story. Um, we were able to work in a lot of the questions that we had here as we were chatting. Um, I want to thank everyone who who tuned in today. We've got some great views today. I want to thank Ty and Ryan for spending time with us. I think um, it was a totally inspiring event, and it's one of the reasons why we wanted to highlight it. I think in, um, tying in the Ronald McDonald Foundation, I think, was huge, um, showing a sense of community, a sense of kind of just trying to get everyone together, I think um, is is a great thing for you guys, and I hope it just gets, it just gets bigger. We are super proud, uh, as far as us, as Team ODZ and... Um, supporting you guys as um, for this effort and for everything you guys do. Um, I think it's great. Um, and so we thank you for that. Um, was there any, anyone else you guys want to thank? Um, this is probably your chance to thank the people. Maybe there's some people that you want to say thanks to, and um, then we can leave it at that. Like, well, I, we'll, we'll, we'll start off, I mean, I think with this, our own families, right? And each rider that came up and support us, whether it was on the bike, um, via text, or we had even a rider who drove up just to say hi and support nice. um you know jason you know w- with your support and training too and just general odz yeah i mean there's so many people um i, I honestly think that we i would not be able to do it without everyone there you know that's awesome so here definitely it was a definitely team support so everyone showed up strong so that was great great yeah i think yeah the uh, obviously all the people that donated um yeah money i think that our goal was what was it twenty nine hundred dollars and ryan i don't know how much we ended up raising but it was well over that and uh so i appreciate all the people that uh, donated yeah. money during these difficult times to a great cause uh and yeah I definitely there was you know that yet we had team odz family behind us um team kettlesing team driscoll uh we had in the endurance lab i think all the those people those things would run through your mind as you rode your bike. And so I, I, I think that uh, really appreciate. And the Spokane community, I think, um, was supportive of the other bicycle clubs and stuff all reached out and said, great job and stuff. So I think it was, yeah. uh, it was definitely a community, community effort. And it was, it uh, was. yeah, it was great. 
That's great. That's great. All right. So thanks again to Ty and to Ryan for joining us today. And thanks for you at home for joining in. I know it's late for a lot of you. Um, and again, thanks for joining us here in the Coach's Corner. And again, if you like what you hear, we'd love it if you share it with your friends. And if you have any questions, otherwise, send it over to coaches at endurancelab.com. Don't forget, you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram and catch this on the replay. We'll see everybody on the next episode of the Endurance Lab Coaches. Yeah. <laughs>